Sermon number 546, Making Religion a Burden. Preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown, September 13, 1970. The text is Matthew, the 23rd chapter, verses 1 through 15. Hear now the word of God as it is recorded in Matthew's Gospel, the 23rd chapter, and we begin reading at the first verse, and these words are perhaps the most critical and condemning words that our Master ever spoke. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, he said, are the authorized interpreters of Moses' law. So you must obey and follow everything they tell you to do. Do not, however, imitate their actions, because they do not practice what they preach. They fix up heavy loads and tie them on men's backs, yet they aren't willing even to lift a finger to help them carry those loads. They do everything just so people will see them. See how big are the containers with scripture verses on their foreheads and arms, and notice how long are the hems of their cloaks. They love the best places at feasts and the reserved seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and have people call them teacher. You must not be called teacher, for you are all brothers of one another and have only one teacher, and you must not call anyone here on earth father for you have only the one Father in heaven. Nor should you be called leader, because your one and only leader is the Messiah. The greatest one among you must be your servant, and whoever humbles himself, and whoever makes himself great will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be made great. How terrible for you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, impostors, you lock the door to the kingdom of heaven in men's faces, but you yourselves will not go in, and neither will you let people in who are trying to go in. How terrible for you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, impostors! You sail the seas and cross whole countries to win one convert, and when you succeed, you make him twice as deserving of going to hell as you yourselves are. Mighty strong word. And on reading them or hearing them, it is easy for any one of us to get the impression that Jesus did not love the Pharisees and the scribes, but there certainly could be nothing further from the truth. He loved them. He loved them just as much as he loved you and me and all of God's children. It's their religion that he didn't like. You see, it's altogether possible in Christian theology for God to love us but not love what we do. For there, God very much to be close to us and take care of us but not be too thrilled about what we do. Religion in the eyes of Jesus, you see, can be good religion or it can be bad. And just because a man believes something about God does not necessarily mean that his religion is good. 
And it's altogether possible for God to love us, but not love our religion. And this is exactly the case with the Pharisees and the scribes. God loved them, but he thought their religion, excuse the phrase, was lousy. God gave unto each one of us religion for a purpose. He, he gave it to us to be a blessing, to build us up to lift us high, to give us something that can carry us through the valleys and over the mountains of all life's experience. But like so many of God's blessings, they have the ability also to be burdens. And lest any one of us would deceive himself, religion can be either a blessing or it can be a burden. And this is exactly what the Pharisees and the scribes did in the day of Jesus. They took this precious commodity, which God gives to all people of every generation, and they made it something other than what God intended it. Instead of it being a blessing, it became a burden. And I think the reason that this particular passage is recorded in Matthew, and there are references to it in other of the Gospels, is to show the disciples of this day and every day, and it makes no difference if you're a first century Pharisee or a twentieth century Presbyterian. One must be on guard to make sure that the religion which he professes and acts upon is not a burden and is a blessing. You see, it can happen to any one of us. The thing that really upset Jesus about this religion of the Pharisees was that it became a burden unto them because they didn't practice what they preached. Notice the words very carefully. Jesus is not condemning these religious people for their belief. He doesn't call them ignorant and stupid and uninformed. He says, no, their authority is right. They sit upon the seat of Moses. They are in the right tradition. That's not the problem. They know what they believe. Their problem is that they don't practice what they preach. He was critical of them because of their participation, not because of their knowledge. And you see, this is where Jesus is especially hard on those of us who are trying very hard to be religious and to use our religion in this area of ethics and in the area of behavior, because he knows that there is absolutely nothing that can be more burdensome to any individual, maybe not today, but surely soon and inevitably, than what happens when an individual says he believes one thing but does just the opposite. If you want to get all sorts of hang-ups and, and get all filed up. The best way I know of doing it is to come here and say you believe one thing today, but tomorrow do just the opposite in the everyday activity of your life. You see, we just are not built to serve two masters, nor can we speak physically out of both sides of our mouths. We're not built that way, and we're not people who can live with ourselves when we say we believe in one thing but do just the opposite. This causes schizophrenia within a personality. This causes the breakdown of the physical and of the emotional. This makes us something other than what 
God would have us to be, and all of it comes because of our religion. You come in here and, and you say, this Bible is the word of God. You believe that when we read this, we are reading God's word as blessed by the Holy Spirit as it comes to us in the world today. Fine. But you see, if you're really not interested in putting into practice the word that God has for you, then your belief in what this word is is really of no value. And when somebody suggests to you, you sit down and at a portion of every day you read a part of God's word, this becomes burdensome to you. And being engaged in Bible study and even devotional reading of the Bible is not a blessing to you, it's a burden. You can believe all you want that man has the ability to communicate with God through the efficacy of prayer. You can say that prayer is the greatest thing in the world and you can believe that prayer can change almost anything. But unless you are willing to pray and practice the belief that you have in prayer, getting down on your knees will become nothing but a burden. You can believe with many of us that the church is the body of Christ in the world today. And when that church is blessed by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is God's body marching through the world today. You can believe that all you want, and I believe that it is right. But unless you are willing to give of your money and of your prayers and of your time and of your talents to the church of Jesus Christ, and back up your belief with your life in practice, then when somebody comes to you, and asks you for some help of your time and talent and your money in the church, you don't look upon this only as a burden and something that you wish to flee from. You see how this happens? When we say one thing but actually do just the opposite, then our religion becomes burdensome and causes us great feelings which can do all sorts of crazy things in our lives and have all sorts of resounding effects in the lives of other people. So you see, when, when your religion becomes a burden to you, that's not all that happens. You can be sure that you are a burden to your religion. When your religion is a burden to you, you can be just as sure that you are a burden to your religion. You see, today we're talking so much in the church about the increase of the decrease in membership, in giving, and in participation of people. Probably in the last couple of years there has been more criticism of the church than at any other time in your lifetime or in mine. And when you listen carefully to these people, they're saying many things against us being hypercritical, perhaps, of what we're trying to do in the world, and they give many reasons, but one of the reasons that I hear most common, and perhaps where there's some justification, is that people don't want to become a part of the church simply because so many of us in it do not practice what we preach. And hence, instead of being an instrument of the power of Jesus Christ in the world, we are a burden to him, and people are staying away from the religion, not because of Christ, but because of us. 
A preacher once asked Gandhi, what was the greatest enemy of Jesus Christ in all of India? He came back very shortly said, Christianity. What he was trying to say is the same thing I'm trying to say here today. When we don't practice what we preach, we become a burden to the truth of our preaching. There are many people out there, and they're not all young. Some of them are quite old. That they look upon us as a liability in life. They say, you preach love, but I go into your church and not a soul even speaks to me, let alone loves me. You say that there is the fatherhood of God and we are all in the brotherhood of man, yet I don't see anybody but white-skinned people worshiping in your congregation. You sing peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind, yet what have you done to try to stop the evils of war? You don't practice what you preach. And I want nothing of such hypocrisy. They claim of us the same thing that Jesus claimed of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, men and women, whose religion was not a strength to them or to the kingdom, but rather was a burden. Jesus also was critical of these men and castigated them, and I'm sure probably Women were involved here in their religious quest as well, simply because he saw these people were making their religious religion burdensome, because rather than using their religion to show what God had done through them, they were using their religion to show off. You know what a show off is? That's somebody who will stoop to any level whatsoever simply to point attention to himself. In my own book, there's nobody more despicable than the individual who will even use religion, God, to show off. And that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They were not interested so much in showing people what God had done through them, they were more interested in showing other people what they were doing for God. And there's a big difference. Those poor Pharisees, they found out what anybody who tries to show off finds out, that it's a tremendous burden to be an individual who is always trying to get the attention. If you're a show-off, you know what it is. It takes work to stay one step ahead of the other fellow who's trying to show off more than you. Look at the poor Pharisees. My, my heart bleeds for them. They go downtown, the Bible says, and, and they go dressed in their best robes and with all their religious paraphernalia, hoping that this is going to impress somebody not to see God, but to see how godly they are. And he gets down to 5th and Main Street in Jerusalem, and lo and behold, he sees another show-off who has a robe that's a little prettier, a phylactery that's a little bit bigger, and tassels which are a little bit longer. You see, a phylactery, that's a big old ancient Hebrew term which told of a little 
square box that was made out of leather and in it were four compartments and in each compartment there would be a piece of parchment and upon each piece of parchment parchment would be a particular verse of scripture the Jews idea then and some of them are still used today by our modern Jew was that if he would take that little box of leather and wrap it around his head or around his arms this was a way to please God and also to show to the community that this was a man who was worshiping God and when the Jew would go downtown and see another pious show-off who had a phylactery that was four inches in size, he would go home and make one five inches in size, and so on and so on and so on, until I'm sure these phylacteries look much like these hippie beads that seem to be getting more and more ostentatious in their appearance. What happened, you see, was when the Jew went downtown and saw another Jew who had the tassels on his robe which were there by biblical instruction so that the Jew could remember who he was and what God had done for him. Having tassels that were five inches in length, he would go home and the poor wife would have to tear at the hem and put in tassels that were six inches long. Simply, you see, to outdo another show-off. And these people were so burdened down with trying to show what God meant to them that they were not giving any time at all to allowing God's Spirit to work through them. And this very easily can happen, you see, in any religious society where people put their faith in how big the Bible is that they carry to church or how religious is their vocabulary, or how many Sundays they can attend church or church school. You know, this is a maybe a way of witnessing, but it is my duty and responsibility and all the love that I have to remind you that there is a very narrow margin between Christian witnessing and religious show-offs. And sometimes when I deal with people who are trying to find effective ways of being a witness to Jesus Christ and feel that they're not being very effective, we must remind them that sometimes we can be so anxious in showing people Jesus Christ that the observer sees not our Lord but only an individual who is trying to show off and trying to become important by using Jesus Christ, not as a Lord, but as his servant. This upset Jesus. Jesus was not impressed. And strange enough, I'm sure there were many other people who, standing on the streets of Jerusalem or wherever, these Pharisees would be acting. That instead of having respect for these people, and an inquiring mind as to what kind of religion made them so great. They only laughed at those show-offs and thought, if that is what religion means to you, I want nothing to do with such burdens. We have to be careful, don't we? That in speaking of Jesus Christ, we ourselves do not hide the cross where he humbly went to die. And then thirdly, sometimes we can make religion a burden 
not only for ourselves but for other people, when we try to take our personal prejudices and make them into universal principles, and we take our own private opinions and would allow people to think that this is the truth of God. Nothing upsets Christ more, I'm convinced, than individuals or a church or a group of people who feel that they have a monopoly on how God's Spirit works in the world today. This is what he had against the Pharisees. The Pharisees, you see, had not only all the answers, they had all the questions. They told you how to believe. And what they were really interested when it came down to the final matter was not whether or not they were able to introduce you to God, but whether or not you believed in God as I understand him. They were interested only in reproducing their own kind of thinking, their own kind of tradition. They didn't care whether God was revealing himself or not. They were concerned only that the people accepted God as they saw him. And if they did not have an experience, that is, the new convert, such as had the Pharisees, then they questioned the religion and thought the person to be a second-class type of person because he didn't have the same religious experience that they had had. Folks, we're interested in the way that Jesus Christ does things. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father except by him. But may we never fall into that horrible mistake of believing that we know every way that God works through Jesus Christ. We don't. And when an individual presumes that he is God and can say with all the confidence in the world that he knows that this is God working and this is not God working, then God help him. Because at times like this, a man finds that it's very burdensome to play the part of God, to be judge and jury, to make all the decisions. You know, when you're God, you can't even sleep at night. And it's terribly burdensome on God when we presume that we know everything as to how God works. You see, that was the great burden that the poor Pharisees found out was utmost in their life. God's not free to come like the wind. He's not allowed to come into a new soul and to touch it with freshness and purity and and the belief that it can begin again. When you have people who, who have propagated their personal prejudices and made them universal truths, God cannot come into a mind of an individual who has not been thinking about God if, if he is made to believe that he can think about God coming only in one specific way. And what happens then? God is shut out. And he's not allowed to come in. And what the Pharisees found out, you see, that here was God coming in the greatest example that he had ever come into the world, and that in the form of a man, his son, Jesus Christ. And the Pharisees never saw him. And what's more, they put him to death. And here the God that they claimed, they knew how he was operating and working. 
When he was working, they killed him. Let's be a little bit leery when some of us begin to feel him or other people tell us that this is the only way you can participate in communion or be baptized or be led by the Spirit of God. I've said it before and I say it again and it's a very negative and poor way to end a sermon but this is that type of a sermon. If you're really not interested in following Jesus Christ with sincerity then don't bother at all. I really believe that a little religion in the Christian form is worse than no religion at all. Because you see when you have this type of religion that doesn't practice what it preaches, that is interested only in pretense and ostentation, that is interested only in perpetuating ideas which have been coming down for generations but never allow the freshness of God to breathe anew. Our religion becomes stagnant and burdensome and when this happens, we become a burden to our religion, and not only ourselves, but God is much better off without a religion that is a burden. Amen. Our Father and our God, help us when we try to present thy truth in maybe new and different ways when we try to show that sometimes our religion of thee is not good, is not helpful and uplifting, but rather is just the opposite of what it is in Jesus Christ. Lord, wash us anew. Breathe on us, O breath of God. Give us courage to be people who can practice what we preach. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon all of you and give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen.